Hey everyone, this is Mike Brickheim. Thank you for joining us again for the Getting to Know podcast. Today I am joined by what I've got to believe is the owner of the greatest beard, if not in current Nina, perhaps Nina history, one Jason Free Manufacturing Czar. Jason, thank you for joining us today on the Getting to Know podcast. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to it. Now, look, I, I haven't had the chance to meet you in person. We've had a whole bunch of WebEx and Zoom calls and so forth. But, you know, you strike me as a big, bad, burly, bear wrestling ops guy. But I recently saw a picture of you holding a tiny little human. Who was that person? I did. My daughter had her third child. Her name is Lane. And she is, as of yesterday, she is uh, three weeks old. So she is the fifth grandchild of the family. So we're really excited to have her. Yeah. Wow. How, how many kids do you have, Jason? I have uh, five kids. Um, we had two sets. We older three are 29, 27, and 25. That's a girl and two boys. And then I have a younger two, two more sons that are 13 and 11, before you ask. That is the same wife. I'm always asked that every time. But uh, Diane and I have been married for 31 years. She was my high school sweetheart. So God um, bless you. I wasn't going to ask, although let's be clear, what happens on the Getting to Know podcast remains on the Getting to Know podcast. But congratulations. That's great. That's great. So you are um, entrenched in the valley there. Is your, your, your kids all pretty close by? They are close by. The furthest away is uh, my oldest son is up in Green Bay. So that's not very far away from, from where we are. But if I recall, you're a Steelers fan and you're from neither Wisconsin nor Pennsylvania. Am I wrong? Well, if I had to take my first pick, it's going to be the Crimson Tide of Alabama because that's where I'm from. So I, uh, I live and die and bleed SEC, even living up here in the Big Ten world. But that's right. You know, when you, when you pick a professional sports team living in Alabama, you've got to go hundreds of miles to find one. So as kids, uh, we would always just find the team that we thought was the best and had the best colors and the best record. So as you can imagine, in the early 70s, the Steelers were top of that list. Yeah. So you grew up where in Alabama? I uh, grew up in Decatur, Alabama. So that is just about 20 miles south of the Tennessee border. And is it is it fair to assume that Alabama is made up of Auburn and anyone who doesn't live in Auburn is an Alabama fan for the most part? Or does it is it more separated? It's pretty separated. Uh, I, I always tell the story that in my family, uh, my mom and I are the only two Alabama fans and everybody else is Auburn. And she tells me the story of, of when you're born in Alabama, you know, the beanie cap that they put on your head as a baby is either red or it's orange. And it goes by the parents' uh, choice. Well, my dad obviously left the room. And when they brought it in for the choice, my mom said it's going to be red. So of the five kids, are they, uh, are they whiskey fans or are they Bama fans? Or how, how does that play out? No, they're, they're Bama fans, but I tell you what, relocating up to Wisconsin, there's the inevitability of becoming a Packer fan. So they love to watch and go to the Packer games. So how long have you been in Wisconsin? Boy, it's been roughly about 15 years. Uh, I, I was actually uh, up here. My dad was in the paper industry, and uh, he moved around as they built new mills. But I went back to Alabama and started my career. And then uh, about 15 years ago, uh, I realized that I like Wisconsin a lot more than Alabama. 
I've heard anyway that you are amongst the many who take part in, is it an annual polar plunge? Probably something you didn't have the opportunity to do in, in Alabama. Is that right? It is. It's, it's an annual polar plunge that they have here uh, just south of, of Nina. We've been very successful with it and that we've uh, probably gone from three to four NEED employees to about 15 NEED employees, I think, in our last jump. So uh, it's a great organization that raises money for uh, Special Olympics. You do it once, you get used to it. Sometimes people will never do it again, but others yeah. year after year. So, From what I hear, you dress up according to a theme and then do it. Is that right? Each year you have a theme to pick from. So we, uh, we've changed it up. Uh, each year, and the team has done a, a pretty uh, innovative and creative job. <laughs> You've got like 2,600 employees on the Getting to Know podcast here. You've gone from three to 15. Like, what, what's our goal for this year? What do we do? We can expand that a ton, right? We need to expand it a ton. I'll, I'll tell you this, that last year, the, the Nina team raised – I think we were the first in fundraising, and I think the second team was actually – we were four times to five times their amount. So we've done a really good job. But, boy, we want to – with a lot of folks, uh, you got to get past the fear and the, and the unknown. But uh, we have a lot of folks that uh, promise they're going to join the team. Well, there's a call to action there for all of you out there listening right now. So uh, hit Jason Free up as the winds start to blow this fall. Okay, so you, you – Returned back to Wisconsin 15 years ago. Does that coincide with joining Nina? Uh, it does not exactly. I spent a little bit of time um, actually working for Store Enso, which is a Finnish Swedish company, paper maker. And uh, right before I moved right back to Wisconsin, I ended up working for them overseas for about four to five years uh, in the Netherlands and in Finland. But that there's no glamour in that kind of travel. So eventually, uh, my wife and I landed back in Wisconsin and went to work for one of our past competitors, Walsall Paper, and spent uh, just a little bit of time with them and um, saw the opportunity to join Nina in 2006 and haven't looked back. Best choice of my life. Tell us about your current role. I'm currently the vice president of US, U.S. manufacturing, so responsible for all the manufacturing and converting facilities on the U.S. side. I started with Nina 14 years ago in operations. That's where my background is from. I have an engineering degree. So I've, I've been in operations from either a process engineer to an asset leader to a facility manager for those, for those 14 years. Took a little stint um, for two years over into supply chain to, to get myself well-rounded. But uh, came back about uh, earlier, uh, earlier this year to join the operations team as VP of manufacturing. So excited to be back. It's my first love. Yeah. So what are, the, um, what are the greatest opportunities in the manufacturing world for Nina right now in your mind? You know, I think the biggest opportunity right now, and everybody probably has it on their list, is really just managing through these unprecedented times. I mean, when you look at uh, when you look at the hard decisions that we're having to make, when you look at facilities going up and down, you know, the biggest concern you have is the safety of our people, because it's easily to have safety incidents when you're distracted. But I would say it'll continue to be our highest priority is first to keep people safe, whatever condition the business is in. And I, I would... I want to congratulate the teams and what we've done over this time of distraction. But really just getting past this, getting back to business as normal, move us back into the uh, continuous improvement mindset, start driving the business forward, which I think will be stronger than when we went into this. 
Has it been a challenge for you to not be able to get out on the road in these various facilities, or have you been able to work through that? It is, because I would say that the best part of my job is the fact that I get to go to mills and I get to interact with such a broad variety and, and breadth of people. I've made the comment that, you know, you, you think about the luxury or the advantages of working from home. I think I've gone well past that, uh, well past that mindset. But getting out into the mills is just important because you really get the different perspectives, the facilities, right? How they manage their business. You learn a lot about people, the, their families, and uh, we have a lot of accountability out there for the folks and their extended family to make sure we can provide provide a great job, a great paying job, and a safe job. So I love I love getting out there and meeting new people. As much as it pains me to uh, compliment you in front of our 2,600 of our closest friends, I will say um, in my you know, early days here, I think you do a really great job of being a, a voice of our operations employees and advocating on their behalf. And um, you, know, you, you, you seem to strike a really great balance there. So with that, What's some advice that you have for uh, the corporate schmucks like myself hanging out in Alpharetta who, um, you know, we're here to try to help you, but sometimes I feel like we don't always do that. So what, what, what do we need to do better sitting in Alpharetta to, to support you guys? There's a simple question that can always be asked. And that question is, does this work for the mills? So as, as we start to put together plans and start to understand how that impacts every individual on the floor. I think we have done a very good job about how does this affect the mill? Does it work in the mill? How will people perceive this in the mill? So uh, that's the thing that's just most important is asking the questions about how it impacts people and making sure that the intent of what we're trying to implement really meets the intent of what we're trying to, uh, trying to achieve. So along the lines of communicating between kind of corporate and kind of field staff and, and, and the mills, have you seen us do it better at times or dif different periods than, than others? I think it really comes back to the initiatives that we're trying to roll out. In some cases, I think that in many cases, we have done it better, but typically it's been more of an operation-centric type, uh, uh, type program that we're rolling out. I think when we do those, and they're, they're very pinpointed towards certain parts of our business, we do it very well about engaging and taking our time through it. I think it reads really hard when you talk about, boy, you're rolling out something that's going to impact every employee and every employee's life across the organization. It yeah. gets really I mean, that's an understandable hardship to right. make sure that you're being everything for everybody. So, um, you know, I, I think it's time. And I, I think it's really just putting your putting yourself in the, in the feet of the stakeholders. And I think we've done that. What's been the crappiest part of your new job? Sitting in this basement, I say it is. You know, I mean, like like we said, it's I. You know, I one of the one of the things I value most about being in the operations side is every day is different. I mean, since since I started in the paper industry, you never know what you're walking into. Every day is different. So many mills and people to meet. I think the hardest part is, you know, and, and you can recognize with this is coming into this business at this time is certainly just unprecedented. And I am managing operations in a manner now that. I've never operated in uh, or managed operations in the past. So I think that's really the biggest challenge right now. And the biggest setback is, is being able to, uh, to win this battle. Yeah, I would say so. I think that's on a lot of people's minds, how, how we get to the other side of this and come out stronger. And, you know, what, what do we do in the meantime to, you know, take care of the business and our employees and so forth. So, um, 
Talk to me about COVID-19 through the lens of safety. So what, what kinds of things have you guys been driving in the mills to ensure that we keep everyone safe and sound and healthy? You know, one of the things I'm proud about is in this turmoil we've gone through is we quickly rallied. We put a lot of protocols in place, whether it be temperature screening, whether it be some of the hygiene aspects, it's cleaning, social distancing, all the things you're hearing on a regular basis. What I'm really proud about is we moved on those quickly. And then I started seeing some examples from other companies that were really mirroring what we put in place, you know, that we developed out of our own, out of our own uh, expertise. So that, that I'm really proud of. But the second thing from the standpoint of safety, like I said, being in the conditions we are now and not being distracted to where we're seeing elevated injuries that are not related to COVID is a huge success because we got every reason to use an excuse right now. And one more thing that I'm really proud of in this time is, you know, our population is large. And when you look at how much that we've had to deal with either primary or secondary contacts or internally having, um, having a issue that we had to deal with with COVID, you know, one-on-one, those have been extremely limited. So that tells me that the protocols that we put in place were the right protocols. I think the, uh, the opportunities that we took to make sure people were um, handled well, if they needed to be away from work early on, those all mattered. And I think it was uh, a very progressive and, and expeditious effort. Yep, I give you a lot of credit. You guys have done a great job in, in managing through a very, very difficult time, clearly. Switching gears, uh, two-part question. In the movie about the life of Jason Free and his wooden shoe full of children and grandchildren, who would you say should play the role of Jason Free and who would Diane want to play the role of Jason Free? You know, I don't know. You talk about my beard and my, my, my rugged uh, operations outlook. Maybe, maybe uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, right? That, that, that sounds good, huh? I like that. I like that. He's a badass. So any big sporting event, Jason Free's coming to the plate. You have one walk-up song to choose. What is it? It's got to be ACDC. It's, it's got to be a back in black or something that just gets everybody pumped, well, right? Alabama comes out to Thunderstruck, do they not? Uh, they do. They come out to Thunderstruck, and I couldn't be more proud of them for choosing that, that song. ACDC is always a solid pull for, uh, for a question like this, in my humble opinion. So, Jason, uh, we have concluded and will continue to conclude every single Getting to Know podcast with three very specific questions of varying degrees of importance. We're going to hit you with those right now. All right. So number one, what can be found in the Jason free refrigerator at all times, regardless of the time of year, time of day, what's in that fridge? So the first thing that pops in my mind, because it sits right in the front is almond milk. And I don't know when that happened, but my wife did a great job in transition. I don't think I've drank milk from a cow in 10 years. So almond milk is certainly number one. I could, I could say the same begrudgingly, and I'm not sure when I got tricked into that either. Is it flavored almond milk? No, no. Unsweetened. Unsweetened. I might need to make sure I'm going unsweetened. It might be the secret to that beard, like fertilizer. Almond milk fertilizer. Amongst those, Jason, that know you well, what would they say you're most famous for? I would say if I go close enough that's in the family, I am most known for going overboard at holidays. So uh, gift buying or cooking or 
What I mean by that is if it's Halloween, I require everyone to dress up and we go out and we, we trick or treat with the kids, but everybody's got to be dressed up. Christmas was the biggest season when I was a kid. So all my kids, it is their favorite holiday. And my wife has told me on a regular basis, I spend four to five times as much as I should be on each one of them, but I always do it because that's a memory I want them to have too. So yeah. it is definitely holiday overboard for me. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. All right, finally, and then we'll let you off the hook and, and, and get you back to running operations in the United States of America. What are you most looking forward to right now? You know, we mentioned it a couple of times. I think from a business standpoint, it is the, I think the struggles we have gone through over the last few months, the targeted improvement that we've done over the next last few months is really going to bring us out of this, a different company than we went into the COVID pandemic. I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to that, you know, even in the operations side, the things that, how we're looking at things differently and sometimes duress puts you into a different mindset. And I think it has, but I think coming out of this, I'm really looking forward to how much stronger we are as a company when we come out. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great one. I think, um, I would echo your sentiment earlier. It's nice to have flexibility and be able to work from home or work from, you know, work from, from some office facility that is uh, lightly populated and not fight traffic, but I'm ready to get back to a new sense of normalcy and coming out stronger on the other side for sure. So, well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the Getting to Know podcast. I know you're a busy dude. Um, have enjoyed getting to know you uh, throughout the last couple of months and, and certainly uh, today as well. And I think our employees will too. So thank you for your time. And uh, all of you out there in the listening audience, we'll catch you again in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mike.